0: Welcome to the Bulwark Podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes, uh, joined by my colleague, Amanda Carpenter. And, and we're going to try to be a little bit upbeat today. I, I think our chances of succeeding are, are slim to none. <laughs> but we're going to try, I promise. So uh, good morning, Amanda.
1: Hey, I'm upbeat. Y- you know how I am. The I know. dumber things are, the happier I am, because I think it's a sign we can turn it around better. Oh,
0: Okay, we're gonna we're gonna come back to that. Hey, I just want to uh, remind people that we have our Thursday night Bulwark Plus live stream uh, tonight at uh, eight o'clock Eastern time, seven o'clock Central time, and uh, it's the it's 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 the team, and we're, we have we have a lot to talk about, including um, I, th- I think the fallout from the Liz Cheney thing is uh, I, I I think that's still that's still ripe. So that is uh, you if if you're a member of Bulwark Plus, you can access us live. We post it uh, later. I'm um, looking forward to all of that. So today was one of it's, hey, a weird day, you know, you know, because I'm in central time. If I'm on morning Joe, that first hour, I have to get up at four o'clock in the morning. 4 oh. a.m. That that is zero dark 30. And, um, uh, it, you know, it's it, it's OK, but but it's going to be one of those days where I was up at four o'clock and then at at seven o'clock central time, I'm going to be doing the, the, the Bulwark live stream. So it's going to be one of those long days. Get um, your and, coffee
1: and, ready. Come on uh, now.
0: Well, I, I think it may be a five hour energy day. And and the other thing is, you know, I I, I get up at four in the morning and I, I have I have these these you know, deep thoughts about what happened. And I I, I, I said that the the uh, defenestration um, I'm, u- I'm overusing that word, but I like it so much. The defenestration of uh, of Liz Cheney was uh, was cowardly, dishonest and politically stupid and you know made some other comments about Kevin McCarthy and uh, the way he behaved yesterday. And you know what? 95% of the responses I got in social media were about Amanda.
1: I don't know. They wanted you to tell them what defenestration was.
0: No, I didn't use – I di- actually didn't use that word. I, I, I saved that for my newsletter and for the <laughs> podcast. Do not try that on cable TV.
1: No, I had you tried deep- some things on cable. <laughs> uh,
0: okay, so I, I, I have tried some things on cable. That, that is true. I did use the term fluffer um, in, 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 in relation, in relation uh, to, uh, to Lindsey Graham, but, but I have to retire that. No, 95% of the responses I got were about the, uh, the, the picture of my, my dog on the mantle behind me. It's just, it's, you know, on TV, it's like people go, I didn't hear a thing you said, because I was looking at the picture of that old dog. And can you tell me a little bit about that dog? His name is Pete. He's 16 years old. He's blind and deaf, but he is living his best life. And uh, he really does enjoy all the social media attention late in life, but but that Charlie, is Charlie should learn. try
1: being a woman on television for I like knew, five I, seconds. I knew
0: you would get this. Then it's your
1: earrings. Your hair was too fluffy. Your makeup looks too bright. Your lighting is bad. Your shirt—where'd you get it? Why is your V-neck so low? Why isn't it high enough? Anyway,
0: no, I'm noticed this. Win. So we do the the Bulwark live stream, and you know all sorts of of insights and people really reaching deep. And I would say about sixty percent of the responses we get are Amanda Carpenter's hair is so fantastic, right? Oh, that's I mean, it is,
1: fine. It is, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> uh,
0: okay, so one of the complaints that we get occasionally, and and I and I understand it, is that um, we can be excessively negative. We spend a lot of time talking about how the, the Republican Party has lost its mind, the latest episode of, of craziness or of, of, of corruption. And I certainly get that. And people want to know, OK, so what's the answer? What's the answer? And, uh, you know, it, there's no easy there is no easy answer. But I do want to highlight uh, something that happened t- today. I mean, spoiler alert, it may feel like tilting at windmills, but I think it's a worthy effort. And I'm I'm glad to offer my support for it. This is this this group of dozens, if not hundreds, of Republicans and former Republicans who've signed on to this uh, this basically the not crazy party uh, agenda. It's a call for American renewal. Uh, I posted it in my newsletter today. Uh, it's uh, making the case what the Republican Party needs to do, and if it fails to do it, then we need to have a third party. And it it lays out 13 principles, Uh, democracy, our founding ideals, uh, our support for the constitutional order, truth, the rule of law, ethical government, pluralism, civic responsibility, opportunity, free speech, conservation, common defense and welfare, leadership. Uh, And uh, some of the people who've signed on have a piece in the Washington Post, you know, we cannot wait for the GOP to clean up its act. So we're creating an alternative movement. And it's signed by Charlie Dent, former congressman, uh, Mary Peters, who was secretary of transportation under the uh, second Bush administration, uh, Denver Riggleman, a former uh, Virginia Congress uh, congressman and a f- friend of this podcast, uh, Michael Steele, former chairman of the RNC, Christy Todd Whitman, uh, former governor of New Jersey, a lot of other names I think that you would, you would recognize. And they make the case, look, you know, uh, it, it, somebody has to give a voice to millions of Americans who feel politically homeless and try to give them some sort of a vehicle to chart a new path forward. Uh, it's going to be hard. I mean, because the Republican Party seems thoroughly, uh, you know, corrupt, and you would have thought that the January 6th insurrection was a wake-up call. Um, look, a lot of people have already left the Republican Party, have given up on the Republican Party. And and what they're arguing is, say, look, um, we know... Let me just read this. Uh, you know, some no doubt will urge us to just join the Democratic Party. We believe that inching toward a single party system would be dangerous and would fail to represent the diverse viewpoints of our nation. America cannot have just one party committed to preservation of its democratic institutions. There must be at least two, if not more. And I think that's that's the important point. That you know, as as, as much as um, I have almost no faith in the Republican party's ability to heal itself right now. It is a crucial point that you need it you, you need more than one party to be rational or have some sort of a connection with the truth. So your thoughts about this Amanda? Because I know you're always upbeat.
1: Yeah, no this is this is good. This is positive. In lieu of a Republican National Committee agenda, we, we now have one. And there's a, it is very significant that there are so many former Republican elected officials and appointees who have experience working in administrations. I realize the Trumpers will say, oh, this is just an elite. There's no grassroots movement, blah, blah, blah. There's some truth to that. This isn't quite a bottom-up movement yet, but these are people who have expertise, experience, and, and know what's missing. There are people who should be in the Republican tent and are saying, I can't, I can't go in there right now. I don't know what to do, but this is what I'm looking for. This is where I want to go. I do think a group like this is still fighting the idea of whether they want to remain in the party or go third party. I I think it can be more simple than that. There's two routes. Either we're Republicans and we're not going to vote for people who uphold the big lie, et cetera, et cetera, or just be independent. Just be independent. And vote for who you want to vote for, because the people on this list, they may have voted for Joe Biden in the last election, but they are not Democrats. And it's so weird to me to see people from the Trump camp say, oh, well, they voted for Biden. They're not Republicans anymore. It's like, okay, like you you want to shrink the tent. That's incredible. Um, It's an incredible admission that they continue to make. But like, okay, fine. And I've always maintained that when you look at these types of people who are on this list, those are the people that make Republican majorities. And if if you want to take power again, you have to find a way to get them back. And instead of catering to the most conspiratorial voices in the party that will really – will just go along with anything to win, why don't you cater to the smart people who can lead all these sheep followers into a better direction?
0: Yeah, I mean you, you, you mentioned this is what it takes to have a majority. Um, and, and by the way, you can tell that this is uh, – this has already touched a nerve because the former guy down in the Orange Versailles has issued a statement, this sort of long rant, crazy statement, attacking the group and going off on the other rhino losers. Well, let me see the good good part here. Um Uh, Miles Taylor and his fellow rhino losers like Tom Ridge, Christine Todd Whitman, and crazy Barbara Comstock voted for Biden. Okay, so Tom Ridge is the former governor of Pennsylvania. Christine Todd Whitman is the former governor of New Jersey. Barbara Comstock is a former uh, congresswoman. Uh, Bill Weld is on this list. Uh, Paul Rosenzweig is on this this list. Mickey Edwards, longtime former uh, uh, congressman. Um, uh, Let's see, who else is there? Michael Chertoff, who used to be the secretary of Homeland Security. Michael Steele used to run the RNC. Uh, let's see who else is uh, here. David Durenberger, former Republican United States Senator. Elliot Cohen. Um, you know Bob Inglis, who used to be a congressman as well. Uh, Tom Campbell, Tom Coleman. So these are people oh, uh, from Wisconsin. Uh, Thomas Petri, uh, congressman. So these are people who've actually at one time been part of Republican uh, majorities or minorities. But I, but I love the former guy's rant here. I love this. They voted, all of these, these 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 loser rhinos voted for Biden, and now look what they have. A socialist regime with collapsing borders, massive tax and regulation heights, unrest in the Middle East, because that's all Biden, and long gas lines. He is even giving us men setting new records playing women's sports. Yeah. What a disaster for our country it has been. See, that's why it's like this is
1: not you a know, parody. Look, Joe is Biden is giving the, the- us men, yeah. Is that all from the Florida blogger, which is what I think he should be referred to by now?
0: Yeah, the the Florida blogger. Okay, so having been upbeat uh, about uh, the the possibility that there is a third way, a rational, not crazy path for people in politics, let's talk about what happened yesterday. Um, And, of course, everybody knows the news. Um, About you know, Liz Cheney, they they didn't even have a a on the record vote. Uh, They voted to they voted to uh, throw out of the leadership position um, by by a voice vote because she was such a distraction. Right. So all day long, all the Republicans talked about was in the news cycle was dominated by this. I mean, there is an alternative reality in which Republicans were talking a little bit more about infrastructure, about in uh, about inflation, other things. But one of the highlights of, of yesterday was to give you an idea of how far the Republican Party has has gone from the truth. The day that they throw Liz Cheney out of her position because she tells the truth about the election and about January 6th, you had this hearing, and I'm sure you saw this, Amanda, and you had, um, since you've written a book about gaslighting, y- you had one Republican after another not just pretend but but make the argument that January 6 was really no big deal. So here is who are these congressmen? Congressman Clyde, Congressman who are who's the, who's the second one? Well there's 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 three of them. Um and Paul Gosar, but these are three elected House members during in an official House hearing talking about the riot of January 6th. Let's just play it, the denialists. This hearing is called the Capitol Insurrection. Let's be honest with the American people. It was not an insurrection, and we cannot call it that and be truthful. The House floor was never breached, and it was not an insurrection. This is the truth. There was an undisciplined mob. There were some rioters and some who committed acts of vandalism. But let me be clear. There was no insurrection, and to call it an insurrection, in my opinion, is a bold-faced lie.
1: Was January 6th an insurrection, or could it be more
0: accurately described as a mob of misfits committing disorderly conduct, violent entry, civil disorder, vandalism, unlawful entry, etc.? You know, the crimes that these people were actually charged with.
1: I've repeatedly asked for the Capitol footage from before and during January 6th. Such Paul footage or to provide answers,
0: could contain exculpatory evidence regarding the outrageous accusations against members of Congress, and most importantly, exonerate the many Americans who peacefully protested and never set foot in the Capitol. Yeah, peacefully protested, and of course, you know Paul Gosar talking about the peaceful patriots there. So, Amanda Carpenter, I, I, you know what's extraordinary about this is not only are they engaging in revisionist history, but it's it's like they're they're doing. You almost need a split screen, like we were there, we've seen the pictures. And they are fully now invested into retconning this into, oh, it was no big deal. Five people may have died, but it's a lie to call it an insurrection.
1: Yeah. we Everyone needs to quit calling people like this cowards who are just yeah. caving to the big lie to appease their supporters. These people are dangerous liars who are so arrogant in pursuit of their own power that they do not care. If anybody gets hurt, they don't care. They are so concerned about their own positions. I mean, I just Googled it real quick. The dictionary definition of an insurrection, it's a violent uprising against an authority or government. I would call hundreds of people storming the Capitol, breaking lines, fighting with Capitol police, fighting with D.C. police, a a violent uprising. I I don't know what else you call that.
0: Not, not, Not a normal tourist visit.
1: No, not a normal tourist visit, not nice people having picnics like Ron Johnson. And all this does for me is confirm Liz Cheney's point and purpose in challenging leadership on their commitment to the big lie. Because if you look at what she is saying, she's saying, yes, it's dangerous, but this this is not a past event. This is an active thing we are dealing with. They are actively spreading this and dismissing how dangerous that day was, and that increases the likelihood it would happen again.
0: Oh, I think yeah, the
1: likelihood it would happen again. Donald Trump, every time he blogs or gets somebody to listen to him, he brings up how he didn't lose the election again, whether it had to do with Georgia, Arizona, Michigan. This is an active lie that we have to actively fight. That's why I am not, I am not despondent whatsoever about what happened to Liz Cheney yesterday. I am happy because finally we are having this conversation. She has somebody who is so committed to it that she is staking her entire professional reputation and life on it she is going to make this a national message and she doesn't care. We haven't had that before. We didn't have that last year. January 6th changed that for a significant number of Republicans like Liz Cheney, who was on the team for Donald Trump in November, 2020, like Adam Kinzinger, who voted for Trump in 2020. And now we have people who have looked at all these lies and saw that there is a price to it. So I am happy (laughs) because now finally we have Someone to organize with who can do something in Congress. And that is going to be the January 6th Commission. I know I maybe it's annoying. Maybe I sound like a broken record on this, but there is so much potential for upside here. Now that she has cut loose from leadership, she can work with the Democrats to get this passed out of both houses in Congress. They control both. You can stuff this into a reconciliation bill with only 50 votes. Biden is going to sign it. And the way that she wants to design it is that so that no current member of congress can be involved there are so many formal republicans with legal investigative analytical experience who will willingly serve on this commission because i don't think we have even scraped the beginning of our understanding of what happened that day i mean just i want everybody listening to consider the fact that this attack went on for 3 hours without president trump doing anything Three hours, no one could make the call. We were watching it on television. There were members of the military sitting in a bus waiting to go, waiting for the green light, and the White House wouldn't give it to them. We need to flesh out that story. We need to flesh out the story of how all those people got there that day. This was organized, it was not spontaneous, it was planned. And so let's talk about that for the next year. I am thrilled to have that conversation.
0: Well, yeah, and one of the other things that's happening, of course, is that uh, the Republicans are mainstreaming the idea now, and it seems bizarre, that the rioters are the victims here. So this uh, Jody Heiss, who's running for Georgia Secretary of State with Trump's support, uh, is also a congressman. He said it was Trump supporters who lost their lives that day, not Trump supporters who were taking the lives of others. So you see, they're the victim. And uh, you know, Christa, Christian Vanderbrook tweeted out, the idea that the pro-Trump rioters were the real victims on January 6th is now a mainstream GOP position, and you should blame the spineless establishment for letting the lunatics walk all over them. Um, my only concern is that because they're so invested in this um, big lie about January 6th, that the Republicans will try to discredit any commission in the same way that they were able successfully in, in on, at least on their side of the aisle to discredit the entire Mueller investigation. I mean, early no, on, they will. they will. And so, uh, but, but I, I, I totally agree with you about that. Now, speaking of the big lie, Uh, Kevin McCarthy keeps moving from sort of one strategy to another. And he's uh, he's trying something else uh, yesterday. He goes and he meets with uh, with with uh, with President Biden and he comes out from the White House and he's apparently now decided he's going to lie about the big lie. So it's like you have the big lie and now he's going to lie about the big lie. This is what uh, this is what Kevin McCarthy said yesterday. Well, first of all, the conference will decide, but I don't think anybody is questioning the legitimacy of the presidential election. I think that is all over with. We're sitting here with the president today. Um, so, from that point of view, I don't think that's a problem. What? What? No one is questioning the legitimacy of the presidential election. Okay, I'm sorry to keep coming back to the gaslighting, Amanda, but it's like, yeah, what about the guy? whose ass you have been kissing for the last several months down in the Orange Versailles, who questions it every single day. Are you kidding me? No, it just never happened. We have this entire universe out there of people who are questioning the legitimacy of the election, who are buying the idea the election was stolen. It was behind the insurrection, behind the audit down in, in Arizona. And Kevin McCarthy, they say, no, no, nobody actually thinks that. The day they fire Liz Cheney for pushing back on it. I uh, Help me. Help yeah. me
1: with this. It, it's, it's frustrating because he, when people make such blatant misstatements like that, that he knows are not true, it, it's just playing on the politeness of everyone around him who has to listen to it. Like he knows he can go to the camera and say whatever. I mean, who's, who's going to shout back at him? He has the microphone. And that's what's just so, the, the way this is set up, it's just like we all just have to sit there and listen to it, I guess. And he knows that, and well, that's why at least Stefanik is going to go there and message that because there, there's no there's no downside to lying, and we all just look stupid. It feels bad because we look, we feel stupid having to listen to such stupid things. That's what gives you that feeling, like ah, like I can't yeah. stand this, and it's just you can't tune it out because you have to fight it. So again, yeah. channel channel your frustration into getting behind Liz Cheney for this moment and can we just have a, a word with our left-leaning listeners. This isn't directed at all of you, but I get so much pushback that, oh well, don't make Liz Cheney a hero. Number one, who's actually making her a hero? I will, but that's me. Um, you know, well- she she doesn't have principles because Iraq war and blah 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 blah, blah blah. Like, really, are you going to do this? Can you not find it in your mind, in your heart to make a temporary alliance with someone who is working with you on the most important thing right now? Are we going to do this like whole George Washington thing where because he owns slaves, he shouldn't be recognized as a founder? Like, is, is that what you want to do with Liz Cheney? Because otherwise you get no help. You get no bipartisan commission. You get nothing. Okay, so find a way to work with her.
0: I, I get, I get the the pushback. Uh, Liz Cheney is no saint. She's no Joan of Arc. Okay, nobody's saying she's a saint. Okay, that's, right. that's That's not what that's not what this is about. And also, folks, you you know, on the one hand see this assault on democracy as an existential threat to the country, right? Yeah, it's an existential threat. Okay. <laughs> so she steps up and says, I am with you in this moment of existential peril. And you're going, yeah, but you voted for the tax cut or you 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 took you <laughs> this position. I mean, really. Right. Um, so I want to go back. The, the one, you know, somebody asked me this morning, you know, what's going through the minds of some of these folks? And I have had a very short answer because not much. But they also know there's no downside for many of these Republicans. They they know there's no downside for saying the crazy things. In fact, they might even be rewarded for it. Um, but also they know that there is this uh, media ecosystem that will find ways to rationalize, defend and deflect. Uh, so uh, Byron York, who has become a reliable uh, spokesperson for the anti-anti-Trump or pro-Trump, whatever you want to call it, is, you know, tweeting out about, The, uh, you know, the purge of of Liz Cheney saying what's really changes, she just wouldn't stop talking. He's one of those people that it's not because she voted for impeachment. It's because she keeps bringing it up. Um, John Ward, uh, the the reporter, did a flagrant act of journalism. I I don't know if you saw this. This is this is a fantastic timeline. He said, let's review the actual evidence for the argument from anonymous House Republicans and people like By- Byron York, that Cheney is the one who changed since the last vote on her leadership back in February. He said, am not listen- missing anything from this list? Because it seems pretty clear the big change was that Trump began relaunching an avalanche of lies. So that's just a good the timeline here. So January 13th is the impeachment vote. February 3rd, Cheney wins her leadership vote, 145 to 61. February 24th, she makes a statement on CPAC, which embarrasses uh, McCarthy. February 28th, Trump's CPAC speech. And then he goes through the list of all the times now that Trump has issued statements claiming the election was rigged and stolen. March 20th, April 2nd, April 4th, April 5th, April 6th, sensing a pattern here, April 12th. April 23rd, April 24th, four statements. April 26th, two statements. April 27th, May 3rd, which uh, Trump called the 2020 election itself the big lie. And Cheney responded with one tweet. May May 5th, May 6th, May 7th, um, Trump attacked Cheney on April 14th, April 27th, May 3rd, and May 5th. And yet, we're supposed to believe it's just if, if Liz Cheney would have just let it drop, if she just would have let it drop. And there's there's Kevin McCarthy standing out in front of the White House yesterday saying, no, nobody's questioning whether the election was stolen. I mean, the bullshit is so heavy. It's just so deep. It's hard to wade through. Hey, speaking of which, layers of bullshit. Um, Mitch McConnell hmm. uh, actually went on Fox News and got some tough questions. So he, he's on with Brett Bear. And... He's saying, well, yes, we're definitely moving on. You know, we just need to move on from being obsessed with with Donald Trump. And Brett Baer didn't let let him get away with it. Listen to this. All right, I'm going to try one more time. Since April 24th, fundraising emails from Republicans have mentioned the former president 97 times, an average of more than five times a day. You're saying the focus is not on the past, but you're using the former president's name and Republicans are to raise
1: money for 2022.
0: Well, look, each individual candidate is going to use whatever appeal they think works to try to raise money. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not in the money raising business. I'm in the Senate business. Yeah. And what we're trying uh, to do here uh, uh. is to make some progress for the country. I have one. Uh, uh, yeah. Mitch McConnell, I'm I, i, I I'm not in the money raising business.
1: What yeah. a joke. What a joke. OK, so yeah. when Red isn't going to invoke Trump's name anymore and he doesn't care what they use on WinRed Red Bull, bull crap. Um, McConnell, Ma- McConnell, McCarthy, Mickey, the Mickey Mitt Mick boys <laughs> are running the same game here. They think that they thought they could make their statements about the insurrection right then, get credit and move on. But there's no moving on from this. I mean, McCarthy really is telling people that if we just don't talk about January 6th, the questions are going to go away you guys are going to get hammered on this in every single general election. Every single general election, especially if you fundraise off it the whole time running into those general elections. So just because you get kicked out Liz Cheney from leadership for just answering the damn questions when she was asked them, this doesn't go away. I mean, if anything, he's amplified it and magnified it into a much bigger deal by getting rid of Liz Cheney, but that's obvious. But McConnell... I mean, you know, all he cares about is a fundraising and having enough money to go into these races. And, you know, all these direct mail appeals are just chock full of hysteria and fear mongering about election integrity. And he thinks he has no responsibility from that. He really thinks elected officials don't have any responsibility for their campaigns. I mean, I'm glad Brett Baer. I'm surprised Brett Baer asked him the question um could have went a lot harder on him but you can even see when you go go, people go back and watch that clip you can you can kind of see him eating his words and he's so caught off guard um and it's funny so everyone look into those win rent appeals you'll have fun write some stories
0: so I, I, I apologize in advance for actually veering into the area of policy substance here, but I, I thought it was interesting that, uh, Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy go to the white house to talk about infrastructure. And it sounds like they had a, at least for a couple of moments, they had some substantive, um, discussions about, you know, how do you define social? I mean, how you define socialism you know, how, how you define, uh, infrastructure, whether it's brick and mortar and things like that, but then they came out and they said um, our our red line is that we don't want to raise the corporate tax at all, that, <laughs> not at all. Now, okay, I'm a little confused. What is the liberal and the conservative position? Is 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 it no longer the conservative position that if you're going to spend money, you have to come up and find a way to pay for it? Because is that would I would think that would be a conservative position. But the other thing is. Um, are you old enough to remember when the Republican party was supposed to be at war with corporate America and there yeah. they are standing out there in front of the white house saying, Hey, the one thing we are just not going to do is we are not going to raise corporate taxes by one nickel. So, so much for the war, the populist war on corporate America.
1: Yeah, this is why, I mean, it's nothing's going to get done. The Democrats want corporate taxes. The Republicans want user fees to pay for it. And this is how you spend bills without ever paying for it. Um, here we go. Well, it's just that they're at a dead end here. It's not going to be paid for.
0: Well, and, all, and also, look, I mean, this is I, – I hate to have another spoiler alert here, but uh, th- there's not going to be any compromise because you can tell that Kevin McCarthy is not able to be a good faith negotiator. Here is another yeah. tell. So the same day they throw Liz Cheney out uh, and he comes up with this lie about the big lie. He also comes out of the White House meeting where he's sitting down with the president and they're supposed to be engaging in good faith negotiations over the infrastructure bill. And immediately upon exiting the Oval Office, his campaign puts out a fundraising appeal that reads that, you know, I just met with corrupt Joe Biden and he's still, all caps, planning to push his radical socialist agenda. So he goes out of the meeting in which they're shaking hands and they're pretending that they're negotiating back and forth. And the first thing they do is put out a tweet. Now, I'm going to put out an appeal. Now, of course, he didn't write it himself. I understand all that. But put out, going to corrupt Joe Biden. He's still planning on destroying America. Uh, There's no way that he is going to engage in a good faith effort to come up with a compromise or vote for anything that will remotely uh, appear to be a win for the Biden administration. I mean, we've kind of seen this kabuki dance before, haven't we?
1: Yeah. And this leads us back to reconciliation. I mean, I don't, I don't like passing bills by 50 votes, but if I were a Democrat in their shoes, I would say a hundred percent cut this guy out of the process, get it done. Um, there's just, they're not there in good faith. And that is it, so silly. Like, is that even worth it? How much money do you think McCarthy even raised off that fundraising appeal?
0: Yeah, who knows? A couple
1: thousand bucks. I mean, I'm just not that that makes it right. But it's just so desperate. And that's why I look at this again with my optimistic take on things being so dark. These people aren't smart. He's not smart. No, they're not. No, These are not savvy people who can organize well and have a good message. I mean, this is is just retreads from what? The 1990s? I see people going on television saying, oh, we need to unite around fire Pelosi. The RNC wants their talking points back from 2008. You guys are running on the same... Crap. And I think that's what people like Kinzinger and Cheney see. like the, we can do this better than them. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be hard for a little while. But my goodness, these guys can't even get a website going half the time. I okay. Kevin It's McCarthy not hard is, to argue and dumb. beat them.
0: <laughs> no, no, Kevin McCarthy is dumb. And I'll make an example. And I, you know, I, I described what happened yesterday as, as cowardly, dishonest, and, and 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 stupid. And stupid because it was the distraction on top of the distractions. But also, it's because by doing, by, by throwing her out of that position. They have raised her profile exponentially. Yeah. As, as far as I could see, it, it, I mean, it looked like, uh, I mean, Liz Cheney was everywhere. She was getting, you know, interviews, primetime television interviews with the network anchors. She is bigger than she's ever been before. What percentage of American voters outside of Washington, D.C., knew who Liz Cheney was before a month ago?
1: They no, like probably two, knew, three. You know, maybe Dick Cheney's daughter-
0: but yeah. five, five percent. Now, I'm yeah. not saying that she's a household name right now, but she, she's much, she's much, uh, in a, in a much better position to attract public opinion, to make speeches, to raise money. As, as you point out, for people who think that you're being, um, engaging in irrational exuberance here, which I, of course, would not do. But, but get this. Um, she, she is Did- a, she a much bigger voice than she w- was before. And, and, and right now she is the most prominent never Trump voice in Congress right now among the Republicans.
1: Yeah, but get this. That wasn't even the the only dumb thing Kevin McCarthy did. Did he even install a replacement correctly? Is Elise Stefanik a sure thing to be Liz Cheney's replacement right now? I think it's probably going to happen, but now Chip Roy and others are mounting opposition because, oh, guess what? She's a transactional grifter and she has no real conservative policy chops. Oh, the moderate liberal from upstate New York may not be the best conservative messenger. No way. No way, guys. And so I just, you know, here's a question for you, Charlie. How long do you think McCarthy stays on as minority leader? I I, I kind of don't even think he makes it till the end of the year.
0: I have no idea. I really, I really don't know. But I do find it interesting that there were some conservatives who went, went wait, okay, so we're we're, all, you know, we're with you in getting rid of Liz Cheney because, of course, it's all about Trump and, and the, the one thing that you have to go along with is Trump's lie. Because, by the way, this is not – I want to keep repeating this. This is not just a matter of loyalty to Donald Trump because Liz Cheney was very loyal – to, to, to Trumpism. Yeah, she's not a yeah. never Trumper. No, this is this is very specifically loyalty to Trump's lies about the election. This is the one thing that you cannot tolerate. So there are, there were these folks like Chip Roy who were willing to go along with with getting with canceling uh, her, but are going what this Lee Stefanik? Why why Lee Stefanik? I mean, because the one thing about Lee Elise, the, the Stefanik that is I think the most obvious is that uh, she's not subtle in the cravenness of her ambition, in, mm-hmm. in the rawness of, of her ambition, her willingness to shirk principle. And her vote is, her votes are, are far more liberal and moderate than Liz Cheney. Not that it, not that it matters. So, you know, is, is Chip Roy going to run against her? Is there going to actually be a candidate against her? Do you know? I mean, do you, what do you think?
1: It seems like he's shaping up to be a protest candidate. I mean, he, he fired off a big letter to the conference, outlining all her liberal votes. I, Here's the thing. I mean, this is why I kind of think Kevin McCarthy doesn't make it because everything is in shambles. So, okay, you got rid of Liz Cheney over the big lie so that you could wed yourself more to the lie for 2022, but openly deny it. And the person you are installing her with is a liberal squish that will be hated by what, maybe a third of the conference, the Freedom Caucus guys. And so now you have somebody like Chip Roy who was for getting rid of Liz Cheney over the big lie, even though he actually agrees with her that the big lie is bad for elections and didn't go along with objecting to the certification. But those guys didn't really get their stuff together enough to beat Elise Stefanik to locking down all the votes to getting the position. And so like you have all that. In the meantime, you have Matt Gates, who I guess may or may not be indicted soon you have Marjorie Taylor Greene calling AOC a terrorist in the halls of Congress. You oh, have I wanna, I wanna talk about all that these guys denying the insurrection. Who's that guy? The guy from Georgia we talked about earlier. Apparently, he's Claude. packing his holster around Congress wherever he goes. I, it's kind of a madhouse. He's, well, it, Kevin it, it, McCarthy's it, it, a hot mess. It's a hot mess over there.
0: Well, he has been a hot mess for some time, and I, I want to underline this, but we're just not throwing out random insults here. Um, I'm really struck by the fact that Kevin McCarthy is is really is is dumb, that that he's that he's not a smart man, and. Uh you know, there there's a reason why when he was poised to become speaker last time he took a pass on it. And uh I'm I'm mm-hmm. trying to think of like what were his great moments. The only thing I can remember is that he was the only guy
1: dumb enough to take the job.
0: Yeah, well exactly. So can we talk about this Marjorie Taylor Green story? This is yeah. amazing. Let me just read you the, the account from the Washington Post because this happened yesterday on the same day that you had um Republicans behaving as bizarrely as possible. Republican Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene aggressively confronted Democratic Representative uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez on Wednesday and falsely accused her of supporting terrorists, leading the New York Congresswoman's office to call on leadership to ensure that Congress remains a "quote safe civil place for all members and staff." Unquote. Two Washington Post reporters witnessed uh, AOC exit the House chamber late Wednesday afternoon ahead of Greene, who shouted, "Hey Alexandria!" twice in an effort to get her attention when aoc did not stop walking green picked up her pace and began shouting at her and asking why she supports antifa a loosely knit group of far-left activists and black lives matter falsely labeling them terrorist groups i don't know about well antifa uh, green also shouted that ocasio cortez was failing to defend her quote-unquote radical socialist beliefs by declining to publicly debate the freshman from Georgia, you don't care about the American people," Green shouted. "Why do you support terrorists and Antifa? So, can we explain what this is all about?
1: Oh, I assume Marjorie Taylor Green had a camera crew behind her oh, I'm to guessing. film it, like just like she did when she stalked that Parkland yep, student turned was, acti- gun rights the, activist. This is this is her this deal, her thing. right?
0: Right. This is this is her thing. Apparently, she was out of the spotlight for. More than five minutes, and 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 felt that it, hey, over here, me, I can do some crazy shit too. And you Debate know what?
1: To pay me, AOC. <laughs> it's just like she's she's a walking Twitter troll reply guy. But it's me,
0: it's a win for both of them, isn't it? Because if if you're Marjorie Taylor Green, you want to be the foil for AOC, and if you're AOC, you want Marjorie Taylor Green going complete batshit crazy on you
1: i'm not sure aoc wants this
0: no she doesn't want it but they're both gonna raise money on it and it's both gonna it's gonna work for both of them
1: (sighs) i i'm not sure this i think this does i mean if i i'm just saying if i'm aoc you don't want to be the person tangling in the mud with marjorie taylor green and getting into anything that links your names together I I, that's where I I, would be. I'm
0: not trying to say that it's both sides. I'm just saying that there's a certain – this is theater. It is the outrage theater. It is the artificial theater. Um, And and Marjorie Taylor Greene, who has no actual responsibilities in Congress anymore since she's been stripped of her committees, is just going to go around harassing fellow Congresswomen like she did teenagers who had been involved in school shootings because that's what she does. I mean her playbook is not deep. It's not a thick book, no. is it? I mean, no. it's you could put her playbook on a on a postcard.
1: <laughs> but it's amazing. You know, my children's school has a more stringent and enforced code of conduct than the House of Representatives. It, it's kind of amazing. I mean, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not for free speech discipline and all that, but really you run around yelling at other members like that, it's it's just so low class. And, and the Republican
0: Congress uh, conference the, the one that voted by voice vote to get rid of Liz Cheney is, is not going to have a discussion or a vote about Marjorie Taylor Greene, right? Or about any of these other, um, you know, retromingent hacks who are suggesting that January 6th wasn't that bad. They, they're, they're, there's no problem with, with any of that. So uh, you you had a piece yesterday that you fired off for us at the Bulwark, The Silence of the Sheep. I was really struck by that, that I know that they're mad at Cheney, but you had sort of a one-two punch. She gives this very eloquent speech on the floor of the house. None of them, with the exception of one guy, uh, stayed on the floor to listen. None of them wanted to hear that. And then yesterday morning, they had this, the vote, nobody wanted to go on record. As you point out, no one was willing to put their names on the record against her. And it was the you know, the the these big men who are constantly talking about we fight and we're so manly and everything, they they wanted to shiver, but they they just didn't want to confront her or debate her or have their names listed. It was it was it was kind of remarkable, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, it's telling that they can't take her head on. Yeah. And this is the value in Cheney making those arguments as an actual conservative Republican with a solid voting record. You cannot dismiss Liz Cheney as some squish chasing the cameras. That is not who she is. It's not who she's been. She's doing interviews now, but she has never been a glory hound to go on Fox News and to go to CPAC and give speeches. That's not who she is. And that speech was incredible the other night. I just, I, I think it would have pained them to hear it and to sit with their conscience as she's telling them what is so plainly and obviously true. And they know in their hearts, they share the same values for the success of America. And so they can't say anything. They just run. And they no one was willing to make an argument against her after until Donald Trump started blogging again from Florida, because they're they're hiding behind Trump. And they'll keep hiding behind Trump. But they, they cannot avoid the questions that she is raising if she's successful because they have to do with the fundamental underpinnings of our democracy and country and what makes America great. They, you just you can't get around that. And so I, I find it so not interesting, but it, it just makes me excited because we've got them on the run. We've got them on the run.
0: You know, I, I was thinking yesterday um, in our – one of our readers reminded me about the uh, the this, this speech that this, – this will sound a little bit wonky here. Uh, the speech that Margaret Chase Smith gave on the floor of the United States Senate back in 1950, and our colleague Jim Swift had done a piece uh, back in uh, 2020 about this. Uh, and he wrote, it's time for another declaration of, of, of conscience. Uh, and it was the 70th anniversary of this classic speech – where Margaret Chase Smith, United States Senator, the only woman, and she was a freshman, she she stood up and she challenged Joe McCarthy, uh, the red baiter. This was this was her, you know, basically her major speech, and she said. She said, Mr. President, I would like to speak briefly and simply about a serious national condition. It is a national feeling of fear and frustration that could result in national suicide and the end of everything that we Americans hold dear. It is a condition that comes from the lack of effective leadership, either in the legislative branch or the executive branch. And she goes on and she, she talks about you know, what, you know, the basic principles of Americanism, you know, what, what liberal democracy entailed, the right to criticize, the right to hold unpopular beliefs, the right to protest, the right of independent thought. And then she went after Joe McCarthy, her fellow Republican. And we remember it even more than 70 years later, because it was such a statement of conscience. And it really did challenge the conscience of the Republican Party. And and, and think about the contrast. So Margaret Chase Smith was not expelled from the Senate. She was not stripped of her committee assignments. Ultimately, Republicans did find um, the, the the moral fortitude to turn against Joe McCarthy and voted along with with Democrats to censure him later in the in the decade. But um, I, I, I was reminded of of her speech listening to Liz Cheney, and I think I think that Liz Cheney's speech is going to have some of that historical re- resonance with the difference that it triggered the Republican Party to ex- essentially excommunicate her, whereas when Margaret Chase Smith did it, there was still enough of a you know re- residue of conscience in the party that it was effective. So I they're, they're interesting bookends for me.
1: Yeah, and of course, they're both women. That doesn't surprise me. Um, okay. I guess, I, I believe she lost her Senate race after that speech, but I, I guess... The, yep, right. the point that I see in this is that just do the right thing. Make the argument because no one remembers that she lost her Senate race. They remember that speech because it has stood the test of time. And what I find it, so annoying in the seconds after Cheney delivered her speech, immediately all the politicos were asking, Well, is this going to work? Is she going to win? What's going to happen? Who cares? It's the right thing to do. Politics is a dynamic thing. You have to make arguments to make things happen. You have to be willing to test theories um, in order to make them true. The idea that because Donald Trump has a grip now on the Republican Party that will remain forever and true through twenty twenty four is such an obscene concept to me. I mean, we're talking four years from now. Think of all the things that can happen. But somehow somehow everyone's supposed to lay down and submit and not do anything to change things in those four years. And so don't ask me, is this going to work? Instead, let's do the right thing and see what happens.
0: Oh, I, I totally agree with you. And by the way, can I just push back on you a, a little bit here? Yes, please. Because Margaret Chase Smith was reelected. She oh, gave it okay. she, she she gave that speech. She she became she entered the this the Senate in 194 in January 1949. This was 1950. She served in the United States Senate until 1973.
1: Okay, I don't know why I had that in my head then. So so not
0: only was she not expelled by her, her fellow senators but the the voters kept returning her and she was she was an icon um you know in into the 1970s and she I think she died in, in uh, 1995 just short of the age of 100 but but you but you're right even if she had been defeated we would still be remembering her for her act of conscience and it would be interesting. Oh, you know, to-
1: here's what's a, a funny thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, after the speech, McCarthy called her and her supporters Snow White and the Six Dwarves. So we're dealing about with the same level of rhetoric when it comes to the haters. See, that, that's <laughs> what
0: that's awfully interesting because, <laughs> because doesn't that sound so Trumpy? It was it was that that dumbed down sort of crude insult that he would throw. And it didn't work. Um so I was just thinking if, if you if you ran through a roster of all the other members of the United States Senate from, you know, that that period, I wonder how many of the people would be talking about today. I mean, really, it's it's yeah. it, you know, and, and again, may, maybe people just don't care about history. But I, I sort of get the sense that, you know, we kept asking this during the Trump years, well, aren't people concerned about the verdict of history? And I think the Republicans basically said was, Yeah, history's mystery. We don't care. Yeah. Um We're all going to be dead anyway, so it it, it doesn't matter. But um, she's one of the perfect uh, examples because there's no article, there's no reference to Margaret Chase Smith that does not include that June 1st, 1950 Declaration of Conscience. And I think that what you had from Liz Cheney, this week was uh, a 2021 version of her declaration of, of conscience, and it wasn't just about her. It was a challenge to the Republican Party. How will this party respond to that? And, and I think we've seen short term what the answer is. Long term, um, I'm, I'm thinking it's going to play a lot differently. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing the history is going to remember Liz Cheney very differently than Matt Gates. That's just, but I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm just I'm just willing to go out there on a limb. So Amanda. Amanda Carpenter, what else are you keeping your eye on this week?
1: You know, I'm still just watching January Commission stuff like crazy. I think that is going to be the most interesting development over, through the next year. Uh, I noticed Cheney was reiterating her commitment to it in interviews this morning. Pelosi was making um, quiet noises about it as well. So I think I think there's big big things happening on that front.
0: I certainly hope you are right. Amanda Carpenter, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, We always enjoy having you on. Thank you. Especially because no one's going to comment on your hair. (laughs) <laughs> or, 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 or my dogs because it's just, it is, it is just, it is just pure. Thank you all for listening to today's Bulwark podcast. A reminder about the Bulwark live stream tonight. Uh, and if you're a member of Bulwark plus, uh, you can access that at eight o'clock uh, Eastern time, seven o'clock central time. If you're not yet a member of Bulwark plus, you have plenty of time to join. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow and we will do this all over again.